This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Ladies and gentlemen, it is no time. Oh no! Oh yeah! I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah! Top rope nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. Summer is in full swing. New Japan has the G1 on the horizon. AEW is ramping up. We got uh, their tickets for All Out going on sale tomorrow. And WWE is, well, we'll get to that here in a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Top Rope Nation episode 102. I'm Ryan Drosty, your host, joined by Kyle Ross and Justin Joint to break down all things pro wrestling like only we can do. And uh, Kyle... You've been out of the loop for the last week. Crash course on pro wrestling over the uh, last few hours to get back in the swing of things. Tell us about your week. What's going on in your life these days? Oh, just came back from a nice trip in uh, Michigan. Uh, Going on a vacation with my wife sometimes is not unlike the Trail of Tears, only with a camera. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) and the forced relocation, of course. But uh, that was a really fun time. We, We found a. We found a lot of uh, kind of hidden gems in the Grand Rapids area. If you're if any of our listeners are in Grand Rapids, I got recommendations, man. Oh yeah, Founders got, Brewing. Of course. Yeah, if you got kids or if you just want breweries too, we we hit the best of both worlds. My my twenty two ish month old daughter <laughs> has been to about ten breweries in the last five days. So, <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. No. Break her in early. Get her ready to yeah. take some trips with mom and dad and sit there while they indulge themselves in yeah. some adult beverages. And I never thought I would ever say this, but like I really do appreciate the ones that are more accommodating. You yeah. know, that actually like have high chairs and you know, actually, you know, aren't like frowning when you bring a child in. Although I, I can understand if I didn't have a child, I'd probably be like, What are you fucking doing? I actually went to a brewery here in town the other day. I saw on, uh, I think, Facebook that they had tapped a new beer I'd never had. So me and my wife put the two kids in the car and went there just to try the beer with both kids and then left. So <laughs> got to do what you got to do, man. Yeah, small plate and, a, and one beer and you're kind of in and out, man. It's the way yeah. it goes. I, I did just check. Yes, we do have listeners in Michigan. I was checking as you saw me reaching out my computer. I was checking our uh, statistics. So hello out there in Michigan. Kyle was among you this week, but he's back in Ohio. Glad to have Kyle in the program. Justin Joint, uh, one eye on the NBA Finals tonight as we record. What else is going on in your life, Justin? Uh, supposed to go to a family reunion this weekend, and naturally we got a call from daycare that the kid threw up, and 
So the wife's been taking care of him all day, and now we're kind of in limbo, waiting to find out what we're going to do tomorrow. So we shouldn't panic if uh, here on Patreon, as we're live streaming video tonight, we uh, see you like jump up and you're you got a kid and it's like that scene from team america world police where there's just like vomit <laughs> spraying everywhere yeah I, I won't panic if i see that i'll just know that's what's going on at the joint i, just, I just can't believe they're showing money at raw at daycare these days <laughs> <laughs> that was good nice <laughs> we're gonna get into that guy speaking of a sickness yeah let's try to diagnose what's wrong with wwe these days we'll get to that here in, this in is just only, a second and you guys said that you want to cap this at a 60 minute podcast yeah we're gonna try okay. we're gonna try <laughs> um so with that being said guys uh again i think i said this last week it's no longer itunes so let me say if you're listening on apple Podcasts, hit subscribe leave us a review leave us that five star rating we'd greatly appreciate it same thing stitcher radio leave us a review on there we don't have too many on stitcher so if you're listening there we'd appreciate the five star we're also on spotify tune in google play um wherever podcasts are found topropenation.com you can find our merchandise links we got all kinds of uh, t-shirts we got mugs we've got pins whatever you need to support the show i just sent out couple days ago some t-shirts to uh i sent kyle one i sent uh two of our new patrons of the show their free t-shirts which by the way i gotta mention that uh if you sign up for our patreon page before the end of june so june 30th we'll send you a free top rope nation t-shirt courtesy of pro wrestling tees in the mail and uh no strings attached you know you want to just try it out for a month See if you like our Patreon page. You get exclusive access to our live feed as we record each and every Thursday night. Get the exclusive video feed that is never posted to the uh, general public. So that is a is a bonus there. We also post our show notes. So what I'm looking at on my iPad right now, you can see what we use as we record. Get a little behind the scenes access. And then, of course, the exclusive show. So Top Rope Nation Classics, which we just recorded recorded about a week and a half ago a review of bash at the beach 96 90 minutes on that a great show the only way you can hear that is on our patreon page patreon.com slash top rope nation you join the five dollar a month tier to get exclusive access uh to those shows like top rope nation classics top rope nation extra and uh on top rope nation extra we'll be reviewing uh each and every wwe pay-per-view AEW pay-per-view every month exclusive to Patreon. Five bucks a month. You get the free shirt. You get the free sticker. Try it out. See if you like if you like it. And I got to give a shout out. We got a brand new patron the other day, Gabe C. Gabe, thanks for joining up there on patreon.com slash top rope nation. Greatly appreciate it. We'll get that shirt out to you in the mail and the sticker very soon. So uh WWE wise, guys, as we went to talk about what we're going to talk about tonight it was it was a little bit of a chore coming up with an agenda because usually we are pretty heavy on wwe i guess you wouldn't know that from the last couple of weeks we've been kind of trying to keep our distance but we got a pay-per-view on the horizon we got to talk some wwe and what a mess it has been it is very difficult to be motivated to watch wwe television these days and um you know we're six months out i think kyle i'm gonna let you talk about this but there was a there's a tweet we were looking at, which was a video clip from Raw well, about six months ago. Yeah, I was going to say the video clip. I, I guess, you know, it's not just a tweet. It was a, a big deal they made on Raw. Uh, yeah. Segment six months ago. With- yeah, you linked to the tweet. It's the video clip from Raw. We had all f- well, we had all the McMahons in the ring that night. 
And uh, Kyle, what was the general message to the WWE viewing audience that night? Well, I think a lot of people remember it. It was Shane, Vince, Stephanie, and Hunter all in the ring, basically apologizing <laughs> for the previous uh couple weeks months of wwe programming and saying they promised to be better you know they heard the fans and they're going to be better um fail six months removed from that uh i think you can make a pretty clear argument that not only is the product not changed for the better it's universally being hailed as worse and that's pretty crazy to think about i mean they the build the mania okay. They threw the fans somewhat of a bone, right? In that they go with Seth, Kofi, and Becky. We talked about this a lot, particularly the latter two, not originally scheduled for those spots. But you know, I wonder about this because we talked about this a lot, and you can go back in our archives, listen to the previous shows, hear about this. They focus so much on manipulating the audience on a week to week basis on that road to WrestleMania. I think they forgot to think about any follow up. And, you know, not to toot my own horn, but toot, toot. Because the week after that superstar shakeup, I said, what are the big matches this promotion is going to build to? What are your SummerSlam main events? You know, what's the big picture in the World Re- Wrestling Federation? And my God, I-, I think the answer is they don't have one. Mm-mm. And it has become so obvious and... More than anything, I think, that plagues WWE, because you hear about this. Batista just gave an interview talking about this. Uh, the Moxley interviews make this readily apparent. They're so focused on the week-to-week, and there's so many changes that just don't matter in the big picture that they've forsaken the forest for these meaningless trees, to use an old analogy. And it's quite depressing, really, because it you, you said it, it's not fun to watch WWE television anymore. And there's five hours of first run television a week. (laughs) It's quite the time commitment, especially if you're a new fan, you know, to get into it and to follow this, especially when on the television shows, it feels like nothing's really happening of consequence. That's the big problem. Like there's nothing can't miss. You get good matches here and there. Like there was a good six man. I thought on raw this week, you know, but overall, if you don't watch it, you don't really miss out on anything. No, and there's good individual performances too. You'll say, oh, like, oh, I really enjoyed what this person did this week. And that's true. You know, I, well, we're all in agreement here. There's a lot of talent on this roster, but none of it matters big picture. Like yeah. if you miss something like six months from, you know, the worst thing I think that could have happened to pro wrestling is remember all those articles that came, when it, you know, first really started getting popular, uh, 20 years ago and like Rolling Stone, uh, Austin was on the cover. You got a lot of articles, TV guide gave him the cover when they started referring to it as a male soap opera. Oh, it's like a soap opera, but for men, I think that was the worst, not the worst, but it was such a terrible thing because in many ways it is like a male soap opera. Like we're all married, right? I don't know if your guys' wives watch soap operas. Mine actually doesn't, but we've all been in relationships probably with women who have, right? And if you ever like watch these soap operas, like you can almost like, like you can watch it once and it's like, this is stupid. And then like six months later, maybe you see it again, you're like, these people are doing the same shit the last time I watched this six months ago. I feel that's what WWE's become. Oh yeah. It's just a bunch of people doing the same shit for six months with no forward advancement. Mm-hmm. 
Justin, you've been uh, pretty vocal on the program about being on a kind of uh, self-induced WWE boycott. So explain to our listeners what uh, what brought that about. And uh, are you even close to jumping back into watching Raw or SmackDown live? Because I, I know you do keep up with the product and everything, but you, you try to avoid it on television these days. Yeah, I just I got to a point where I was just miserable watching it. And I realized I was falling behind on all sorts of other stuff, you know, I, I would like to watch or read. And so I just, and just decided to stop watching until I thought, you know, if I heard it was good again, or if they're making advancements or making changes or shaking things up. Um, but you know, I still read, uh, the synopsis of round SmackDown. I still read reviews. If I do hear about a really good match, I'll go back and watch it. Um, I've watched all the, uh, firefly fun houses but it's it's five hours of time that i'm not willing to commit to bad television instead mm-hmm. i spent i spent my monday and tuesday you know with deadwood and big little lies and you know fleabag fantastic show um so i'd just rather do that i, I don't i don't i don't have enough free time to spend five hours being mis- miserable yeah, you know, there's just so much competition for eyeballs these days. We we talk about it in our text threads all the time. There's so much great television. You just got into that. And uh, you're talking about hours and hours of programming there, too. We're not talking about a movie here or there. But we're talking about all these great television series that are out there that everyone wants to watch, whether it's Netflix or HBO Go or Amazon Prime or Hulu. Like, there's so much vying for your attention what's going to draw you in to watch three hours of raw and smackdown when you can watch one of these award-winning series every every week you know and that's that's what's amazing because vince has said that they're not competing against other wrestling promotions they're competing against all other content and, and they're just putting out some of the worst content there is right now <laughs> they're failing badly yeah, if that's yeah, the case yeah yeah i'll say that that is such a key point that just to make because we're not having this conversation if raw and smackdown are good Obviously, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, by design, because it's, you know, five hours. Yes. Okay. Well, you know, you always get your, well, five hours of TV is really tough. Well, then you shouldn't have five hours. Mm-hmm. And by the way, do we think that the TV will benefit when SmackDown goes back to Friday? Like, is it bad to have the shows back to back days? I, I want to say it certainly doesn't help, but you know, there for a long time. It was that second show, the SmackDown, that was consistently the most entertaining one, you know, for for what a, a solid year at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it'll help them or not, but I mean they're they're definitely in trouble. I, you look at these television ratings now. I know all of TV is down. Raw didn't do well this week, but yeah. I think they were still like seventh on cable or something like and that. And SmackDown was actually number one on Tuesday, despite the fact that it was down worse than Raw. Yeah, which was interesting. But, but if you break it down further, there are problems, and it comes about in the uh, age groups that are watching the show. I mean, pro wrestling is not popular among teenagers right now. This is a massive, massive problem for them because, obviously, as as those kids get older <laughs> and the older audience goes away, where's where's their core audience going to be? And um, I can't remember if we've talked about this on the show or if we were talking off air before. But I'll say it again if, if it wasn't on the show. Uh, you know, I teach school during the school year. I'm around teenagers all the time. I never hear kids talk about pro wrestling ever. Like I could count on one hand the amount of times I've heard wrestling references in the last five years. Like they just they're just not interested. And uh, 
you know, I've, I've talked about this with other people and I've had people try to contrast what I'm saying with, well, you know, it's because wrestling's fake and this generation's like way more interested in MMA and stuff. And it's like, that is not the reason because there was always real sports and competition. You know, like people watch boxing. Everyone knew wrestling was fake in the 90s and the 80s, but it was still massively popular. If, if you produce a good product, people will watch. I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that it's, it's pre-rehearsed yeah. or anything like that. I mean, uh, you know, there was always competition. There was Ali, there was Tyson, but pro wrestling was still doing good uh, during those eras. And I feel kind of like wrestling is skipping a generation. Whereas if you look at when we were growing up, we had that boom period in the eighties. We had the boom period in the nineties and like kids born since the late nineties have never experienced a pro wrestling boom period. And they don't know what that's like. And they're just, they're just completely checked out. And that is, I think a huge, huge problem. WWE is going to have to overcome. We talk about the lapsed fans with AEW and them trying to get them back from the nineties. That's an older crowd. That's, that's a, admirable goal for them but i think the big challenge is pulling in the teenagers that yes. and even the 20 somethings that are just not at all interested in wrestling great rant on someone who is just so concerned with the you know the plight of america's youth on a daily basis i really you know, my hat's <laughs> it's, off it's true. i'd love i'd love to talk to the kids about wrestling no. but nobody is interested they're not no. it's, it's startling <laughs> so this was an the, i remember the conversation you're referring to and it was an off-air conversation so and it, it, I remember you opened my eyes because we were talking about an article. I think it was a Bixen Spin article on Dave on Deadspin, where you know WWE. There's this illusion, and in some regards, it is big. But there's this illusion that WWE is doing well, right? You know, they're getting this huge deal from Fox, and they're moving to network TV this fall. Like you would think, just based solely on that, that they're doing very well right now. But anyone who follows the product knows the product stinks. There's a lot of key metrics that are down. So, no, this isn't any kind of boom period. You know, and I think um, WWE, the one area they have done a good job in, but I think it's maybe coming to cost, and we'll talk about this, is like sort of their corporate friendliness. You know, like they do have a section on ESPN.com, which was not the case in the Attitude Era. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now ESPN.com did not exist in the 1980s, obviously, so we can't <laughs> compare it to that. But... So I think there are like these things people where people are like, oh, WWE's doing really well, but it really isn't, obviously, as we know. And you brought up the point that like, you know, 10 years ago, okay, would any of the three of us think 2009 WWE is great? Like, did, do any of us look fondly back at that period? I wasn't watching. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Okay, no, no, no one is. But to your point, Ryan, what you just talked about, I remember I threw out 2009 example. And you said, oh, your students back then were talking John Cena. They were talking Randy Orton. Mm -hmm. And now you're saying the students, they're not talking about no, not talking about anybody. No, I mean, if, if anyone's name comes up, it's John Cena. And usually, you know, it might be re in regarding to a movie. It might be that that prank call that everyone still gives play, you know, with the John Cena theme song playing. I've, mm -hmm. I've heard him like play that before and stuff. But, you know, someone might make like a John Cena reference here or there. Just because he, he is kind of a household name at this point. But like, mm -hmm. no, I've never heard anyone talk about Randy or Randy Orton even these days or Roman Reigns or, you know, any of the stars today. AJ Styles, none of that at all. Because you can argue that there are no stars today. Yeah, that's we're going to get into that, too, because that is a could be a, a, a good discussion point later on that we've got on our agenda here. But uh, yeah, just 
I do really feel pretty strongly they've skipped a generation and this is going to be a problem for years and years to come. How do you how do you draw them in? Because there's so much competition, probably more so than ever before, because you think about when wrestling was so popular, you could only watch what was on TV at the time. There was no on demand. There was no streaming. There was no YouTube. So like there, there wasn't a ton. I, I mean, at that time, what do we have? Maybe 70 cable channels in the late 90s ish around there. And so, like, yeah, there's Monday Night Football and stuff, and there might be a few good shows on, but there wasn't, like, dozens and dozens of award-winning shows that you could play at your fingertips. And that's the big problem right now, you know? So, as we get into the problems here, why, what's the what's the major, if we think about the major cause of what's wrong with WWE TV right now, the, the big, big problem, why does it suck so badly? Okay, first of all, do we agree that, like, the TV is the main, I mean... It starts with the TV, right? I should yeah, say that. Yeah. It, it all starts with the TV, right? It's just it's just bad. Like you said, meaningless. It's five hours of meaningless television per week, which wears on an audience. And here's the key. We talk about this AEW show that we did, Double or Nothing. Everyone, people went in wanting to like that show. WWE, a big problem they have is... Everyone, like, even if it is good on an occasional week, people just think the product sucks. Mm-hmm. And, and and they can't get over that right now because, generally speaking, the product isn't very good. Yeah. So how do we fix this? And, you know, we're talking about television is the main issue. Nothing means anything. Uh, it's just it feels like you're a hamster running on a wheel every week. You just watch and you watch and nothing of consequence happens. Um, like, where do you start? How, how do you fix this? We're on the writing team, or we're one of the big wigs, big uh, big wigs behind the the scenes here in WWE. Like, what changes would we make right off the bat? Any thoughts here? I mean, it's first, it's all the obvious stuff. Um, it, it's Vince McMahon's got to go away. They've got to change their creative. They've got to make it possible for wrestlers to have more input. Um, they've got to make it possible to have long-term storytelling. Uh, they need to stop with all the uh, BS uh, champions losing in non-title matches, uh, 50-50 booking. Everything is just shades of gray. Barely know who are heels and who are baby faces uh, because they're flip-flopping every month. I, and they need, and frankly, the I was always for the brand split. There was a way to make that work. If they did, if they set an actual creative side to one and a completely different set to the other, and then then made the shows completely different, and I mean completely different. You know how like in uh in WWE camera side, everybody comes in on the left. Hell for SmackDown, have it everybody come in on the right, set up on the other side of the the arena. Um, but frankly, with the wild card rule, there is no brand split anymore. And, and at this point, they just as well scrap it, and we're back to square one. Do you guys remember when they had the uh, ECW program that they were producing in the mid 2000s? They did actually kind of change the look like they had they switched the camera. So it was straight on from the entrance way. And they they actually did give the show a different look to make it kind of seem like it was authentic ECW back in the day. I think those are all great points. And I think they kind of did that a little bit with SmackDown, like they had different camera angles when they started the brand split, but they've just completely given up on all of that. Ron yeah. smacked and look identical now. Yeah. yeah that was all like, Oh, look at this. And it's like, but it's like the most like trivial difference. Yeah. Like, look, we're going to give you a different camera angle on this show. And I mean, that is like something like, but like, you know, the shows look exactly the same. 
mm-hmm. except for the fact that you know you have raw draped on one smackdown on the other the pay-per-views all look the same the stage it's, is exactly the except same for just different things on the screen <laughs> yeah um i agree basically with everything justin said um the brand extension here's you know a, a line i've used on this show many times the last two months better in theory than in practice we hear all these rule uh, reasons why there should be a brand extension. And they're not bad reasons. But they never work. Oh, well, you know, this will give more talent the opportunity to shine. That's never happened. Mm-hmm. And, and not just this brand extension, folks. Remember, they did this once before and it failed. It failed. Like, it was like, you know, and they... They went to a soft brand extension, very much like they're doing now with this wild card rule. Uh, I think the timeline we we talked about this before. I think it was like five after five years they started doing that. They're way ahead of that timeline now, and it's funny because this whole wild card rule came out because the networks Raw was pissed or USA was pissed that Roman Reigns wasn't going to be on anymore, and you know we were going back and forth in this text. The wild card rule is basically a silly reaction to something that we're all clamoring for, which is there should be a roving champion. Like basically it's just like, well, it's not a wild card rule. It's just like, well, how can we find a way to get the stars on both shows? Well, the easiest way is to have roving champions. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a lot of guys that brought that up. Yeah, we talked about it right from the beginning. Right, We started the show right when the brand split started. And I think one of the first episodes we did, we talked about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I I, I mean, I think, you know, you talk about what can we think of? I, I think this is a simple one. Re- the, the championship situation needs to be restructured. You have one world champion. I've brought this up before. You know what lapsed fans ask a lot? My buddies ask a lot when, like, they come over to watch wrestling if they're just over and I'm watching it and they're – they just want to join who's the champion and when you and, and i i've said this so many times when you tell them ah there's this there's a raw champion there's they just they look at you like what yeah they're, they're, they look at it like that's dumb they don't and then you're like oh well in the 80s they had two touring brands and you know that was very successful they don't give a fuck about that no, it's like from the beginning of time, who's the world champion? There's yes. one world champion. One. And, and, and that theoretically should create a star because that's your world champion. Yeah. You know, um, so, so that's, and they should have one women's champion. Okay. It was a great way to make Becky Lynch seem special. They already pissed away that. They should be one men's tag team. I mean, the idea, come on, let's be honest here. Two tag team champions, stop it. Yeah. And then, you know, they have the one women's tag team championship but that belt is about as special as you know this freaking rock sitting on my desk right now holding my computer together (laughs) yeah i think uh long-term booking wise too one of the big problems with this because we're talking about there's not long-term booking it seems to me the only long-term booking going on revolves around the mcmahon family (laughs) this is another huge just get them off of tv is there anyone out there that like looks forward to seeing Stephanie and Shane on television, like anyone at all. Why is Shane McMahon taking up so much television time? Why is there this rumor out there that Shane McMahon could become WWE champion? My God, does anybody want to see that? I mean, I, I don't care how you spin it. I saw people on Twitter today like, oh, I could be convinced it could be a good thing if he be no, 
there is no circumstance at all where Shane McMahon winning the world championship is a good idea. I don't care what you say. So get just get them off a of television. I don't know what the obsession is of always making this about the McMahon family and the authority angles. It's just so overblown. That is a that is another big problem. I think no long term booking, and the only long term booking that there is seems to revolve around Shane McMahon, and that's about it. Goes back twenty years. Mm-hmm. I I raised a stink, and nobody wanted to hear it at the time because WWTV was still pretty good, uh, still actually really good. It was one of their best periods. Um, you know, they were, you're getting a lot of pay- bangers on pay per view. When the decision was made at WrestleMania 2000 to build that main event around a McMahon in every corner instead of the performers, that set us down a primrose path. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, go back and watch. Do your history. That that match and the promotion of it is what led to the McMahons. And look, it's their fucking promotion, so I guess you can do whatever you want with it. But they became the stars. They were bigger than the wrestlers themselves. And that is a... And, and I'm sorry, I disagree with that uh, that concept. You there know is, why? Yeah, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt you. No, no, that was it. That was it. You know why it worked 20 years ago, and I don't know if they think like for some reason this is going to make the product hot again because it did at the time. Well, it was number one because of Steve Austin, and number two because at the time it was like a new thing, like this transition. Vince went from being an announcer. We're growing up a kid. Nobody knew that Vince McMahon owned the promotion. Like when you guys were kids, you didn't know that. You thought Vince McMahon was just an announcer. Now, I, I know people that were plugged in and stuff and older than us probably knew. But for a long time, like, I just knew Vince McMahon is the announcer. And when then all of a sudden Vince McMahon, the announcer that you grew up with, is getting involved in storylines and then he's getting shoved and he's getting the stunner on Raw in the fall of 97. Like it was so crazy because he was just an announcer. Like I said, he was out of all of this for all those years but now like he's been on television stephanie's been on television shane's been on television constantly for 20 years and there's nothing special about it. there's no novelty about it it was like a novelty thing back then and it's just it's not relevant anymore i think it's unrealistic to expect them to disappear from tv completely um and i but think they should don't you think <laughs> They should for the most be. part. Okay, so I'm gonna. I mean, we'll get into my outside the box idea, and, and it actually does feature them um, because I feel if you're on the creative process and you're not placating to their egos, you're probably not long for that job anyway. And I try to take a realistic approach, but um, the, the the issue is everyone knows they kind of run the show, and what's interesting is when they're not on, like it, back to this brand extension the, the, in its current iteration. You know, who's running these shows right now? You know, it just seems like random things are happening and they just put a random McMahon on. Mm -hmm. Like, did I miss something? Raw has no GM. SmackDown's, I mean, Shane, I guess, is still the SmackDown, is still in charge of SmackDown, but he appears on Raw regularly. So I don't think he's blue through and through anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Well, someone had a good tweet the other day where they had all these big stars in WWE are great performers that haven't been on television or wrestled in like weeks and weeks and weeks. And then you look at like how much television time Shane McMahon has got during that same time period. And it's just like jaw dropping, just mind boggling. They do this. So I was going to save, I mean, cause we're going to do our stomping ground preview next week. And I was going to save my Shane McMahon thoughts for them. But yeah, I mean, it's him beating role. I, I don't care what you think about 
Roman Reigns, and I'm not even talking to you guys, I'm talking about anyone listening to this podcast. That is so unacceptable. If Roman, like, if Roman Reigns is to be your top guy, to have him lose, I don't care how BS it is. It's unacceptable, especially when the guy's struggling in that spot because mm-hmm. of other poor ways you booked him. It like look at how they booked the following four people in the last two and a half months: Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, Miz, Shane McMahon. Miz, Shane has basically won his feud with Miz, although Miz is trying to get this match back, right? Okay. Roman beat Drew McIntyre in a blah match, which kind of really hurt Drew and, you know, put him at a certain level, right? So Roman's beating Drew, but he loses to Shane. So you have you have now hurt the Miz, Roman Reigns, and Drew McIntyre. Three people who should be cornerstones of your product to get over Shane McMahon. And he's, yeah, okay. We know he's going to put somebody over at some point. But, like, is it all worth it? Because no, who cares? Like, the, Shane McMahon putting someone over means nothing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but, like, in the grand scheme of things. And here's the thing, too. Here's the thing, too. Elias. Elias. Okay, I don't think it's a main event gimmick. But he's over, right? Mm-hmm. He did, at Money in the Bank, a what? Minute job to Roman Reigns? Yet Shane McMahon beats him. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, no long-term direction here, Kyle. They weren't thinking about that at the yeah. time because so, so, <laughs> they so, didn't know what they were doing two weeks from now. Th- yeah. That was the long fit. First thing Justin said, long-term booking. Yeah. If I'm on the creative team, I'm like, look, man. Okay. We got the big four. Our job after the dust is kind of settled from the last one is We've got to put together not fucking next week's raw. Okay. That those there's so many guys on this roster. You can just give these guys a chance. You you can do a raw instead of just like just zoning in on these dumb scripted promos. No one remembers. You need to focus on what is our SummerSlam main event going to be? And a decision needs to be made and it needs to be stuck to. Now, sometimes things will happen and you do change an injury. Somebody gets hot out of nowhere. Okay. Maybe you modify but I always say this. What I love watching about older, like, 80s WWF is, my God, you can see the confidence in the booking. They knew where they wanted to go, and they went there. And I know you, it's not apples to apples anymore because the television's so different. Um, you know, some of, some, some, everything was pre-taped back then. It's all live now. But it's coming up with a long-term decision and sticking to it. That is the first Thing that needs to be done in the creative process. Okay. In my opinion. All right. So consolidating the titles, the long-term storyline direction, I would say practically getting rid of the scripted promos too. I think that's been an issue for a long time. You give guys talking points, but I mean, what did they have dusty roads down there for years teaching promo class for if they get up to the main roster and, and all it's going to be is just read the script. Yes, I agree. If you can't cut a scripted promo, I got news for you. Find another line of work. You know, Moxley talked about that in his promo. He, he couldn't be more correct. Yeah. Or in his interview with, um, I couldn't remember if it was with Keller or with Jericho. But he said that, like, to me, and, you know, there's this worry, oh, they might say something terrible and it'll hurt a sponsor. Well, then you're fucking fired. Yeah. Okay, if you do what I just did and swore on TV, you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> you're gone. Okay, let's think. Okay, you know, if, if you swear without permission, you're gone. Yeah. Or, or you're, like, suspended. You're moved off television. 
It's that simple. Like, and that frees people up to think about long-term things rather than, you know, oh, are we going to say suffering succotash or pooper scooper? Who the fuck cares about that? <laughs> How many hours are spent backstage talking about this inconsequential stuff? Um, Justin, still awake over there? <laughs> I'm still here. Let's, let's pull Justin into this conversation. So, uh what do you have to add on on solutions here? What would you like to see them do that we haven't discussed yet? Anything? I mean, no, I already kind of gave you my two cents on the whole thing. I I think we're seeing the same 10 to 15 guys every show because of the wild card rule when we've talked about it before. This is one of the deepest rosters ever. And I find it very, and this is real. I think this, this says to me, it's all signs point to creative deepest roster ever. I, I I find it hard to believe that they couldn't tell interesting or good stories with the talent they have in that mid to lower roster. Those are all guys or not all, but some have been guys that have been top guys in other promotions that have proven themselves before in WWE and they don't do anything interesting with them. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of like what you guys already talked about. It's because they're overly scripted and they have no direction. I mean, look, EC3. I mean, what a waste. Right. Exactly. For the, uh, and for the silliest reason, too. Because he was put into a horrible situation opposite Dean Ambrose. And he first of all, I never understood why EC3 was supposed to be a baby face. Top 1%. I mean, do you have like, you're not paying attention to 2019 politics? I mean. I think that tells us a lot about Vince. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. But, you know, and, and what's worse to building off Justin's point is somebody's, it's not, even, not that it's not just that they're being used poorly. It's a, they're not being used at all. Some mm-hmm. of these people there, I mean, they're collecting dust and catering. Some of these guys, you know what a big, you know, WCW was obviously not a well-run organization for basically all of its existence. But you know what? When I you go back and watch some old WCW sometimes, a charm of it is they were so clueless at times. And this was especially true in like the Nitro era when things were going downhill. I mean, it's hell. It's how Chris Jericho got over in the first place. They would just send got these lower card guys out there be like, guys, fill up time and do whatever the hell you want. Because we're, you know, Hogan and Nash won't do a job tonight. And I have to placate, I have to spend all the time placating their egos. So Jericho, you, you get 10 minutes, cut a promo. I, I don't know, say whatever you want. And he got himself over doing that. I mean, I've, isn't that so, how every basic magic moment or or superstar has been born in wrestling? Is just because they've said something random or done something random that the crowd latches onto. And that doesn't happen anymore because, you know, they're they're being... Uh, handcuffed. I, 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 I keep using this same phrasing over and over again. That's exactly right. I mean, the biggest boom period they had, Steve Austin, that was basically an accident. You know, like uh, Triple H was going to win the King of the Ring that year. Austin wins because Triple H is being punished for the click thing at MSG. He utters the Austin 316 line, boom. Austin becomes one of the biggest stars in wrestling history. I mean, that, yeah, that couldn't. Uh, that couldn't happen these days. It doesn't seem like, anyways. Yeah, and when when you do get something organic over or organically over, when it, like oh, Rusev Day, for instance. All right, you can argue maybe they never even went with it, which is an argument I'll listen to. But like you know, when they put their claws into something that gets organically over, they like they just ruin it. You know, because it's like, well, we've got to okay, 
you got this over, but now let, you know, let's, you know, we're going to put our fingerprints on what you did. No, keep your fingers away from it. <laughs> exactly. Stop you know, fingering everybody. Yeah, stop fingering everybody. Yeah. John Cena's already got a boner half the time during the oh. <laughs> We're going to talk about John Cena in just yep. one second, but uh there's something that goes along with that. But Kyle, I want you to get into your uh your your idea because I I agree. It's in our show notes here. I agree with this idea. I think it's a good one. Uh but kind of your uh your plan to fix things here, the final point. Well, I just wanted to go back to one last thing with just what Justin said about guys not being used and it's being the same guys on television. He's completely right. And it's also completely unacceptable with all these guys on TV. Like just like if I was somebody in creative and you would hope that some of these underused guys are bitching because if they're not bitching, that actually is disappointing for me. Um, But if they are bitching. I'd be like, all right, you two, you guys think you're so good and I should be using you and I'm raw, you know, or whatever, you know, I mean, hopefully the people in creative are like, yeah, man, I, you know, I feel for you, but let's just say it's a combative situation. Okay. Be like, why don't you go out there, you two, and prove it to me. Here's a blank canvas. We got this three hour program. I got 10 minutes to kill this week. You, you know, um, just pick two guys. Are, Luke Harper and EC3. Go out there and have a 10 minute match. Show me what you can do if you think you're so good. And if it sucks, it sucks. But if it's good, okay. Yeah, You know what? If they're not speaking out now, I think they will be soon. Because now that there is a viable alternative where they can make a good living, I think people are going to be more likely to speak up and not really fear repercussions. Yeah. Another quick question I had, because Batista gave this interview, and he was talking about some of his frustrations. They're very similar to things we've heard from other guys. He, and he's done this in the past, harps on this PG stuff. Like he thinks like WWE going PG has been this huge detriment. Is that overblown in your guy's opinion? Like if the product was good, like can can you do a good, can, can pro wrestling be, let, let me phrase the question like this. Can, can pro wrestling be successful in 2019 as a quote unquote PG product? I mean, I think it should be able to. I mean, like, we, you know, I mean, we saw like it with double or nothing. A little color adds a lot to a match. That's just one match. You can't, you're, you're not going to be doing that every week until it just you're oversaturated with it. Um, but yeah, you know what? There's lots of good PG content out there. So yeah, they should be able to. I'm not looking for a return to the attitude era, but I do think you need a little bit of an edge these days, especially if if you bring in like the UFC comparison, like I talked about with the kids and I like UFC, but wrestling can still draw an interest. But I do think even just like a little bit of colorful language here and there helps out, like get over a little bit of aggression, you know, to quote Vince, ruthless aggression. You know, if you, if you have a little bit more risque promos, I think that helps out. It seems more realistic to people because people swear when they're pissed at each other. Yeah. But no, I, so I agree. I, I think like there being more like hostility to the promos, but I also think, you know, to counter, like if you just said, okay, guys, like start swearing now, but you didn't change anything else about WWE, it wouldn't be good. No, but I mean, being allowed to, go there a little bit you know they're, yeah. they're pretty regulated well they're literally regulated by what the scripts say but uh 
Hey, just just a little bit, and and then the color, like yeah, at AEW, the color in the in the Rhodes match that did add a lot, and you don't see that from WWE anymore. Yeah. So I'm not looking for like barbed wire and women taking their tops off and stuff like the Attitude oh. Era, but I do think a little bit of an edge is a good thing. Um, this day and age, look at the television um, products they're complete they're competing with, especially on the streaming networks and HBO and everything, and you do have the you know the PG-13 level. So and isn't isn't that one little thing you could do is actually have the third hour of raw have it be pg-13 like have that one little tweak yeah i agree yeah you should be able to do that yeah and, and i mean it's not like it's some hokey card i mean maybe it is but like it's not like it's like this tote like children's program the no. way it's constituted now. I just think, I think there's bigger issues and like people always needs to not be PG. Yeah, no, I don't I, think that's I, the biggest issue. I, 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 think agree there's, right. I agree. There's, I agree that there are certain things you should do um, in wrestling that aren't PG that absolutely help, but I don't think it's the biggest issue at all. No, no I, I, I just want, I wanted to say that I know that wasn't in the notes, but that, that was something that um, came up that I, I noticed. Okay. So tell us about this plan for Ron Smackdown. You had Kyle. All right, I think the time, you know, that Justin kind of alluded to this earlier, that Raw and SmackDown need to be different shows. If you're going to do a brand split, and the, the question, you know, I, earlier in the notes, I said, do you modify the brand extension or do you do, do away with it entirely? I think there's arguments for both. Um, if you're going to have two shows, though, and you want people to watch them both, and, you know, now with this deal... Two different shows. Obviously, that's a goal. I do think you need to have some form of a have them be brands. And to make them different, how do you do this? Because, like, if Vince is ultimately in control of both, it's just not going, they'll never be that different because it's still filtered in through one person's creative vision. I think the time is now that Triple H, that Hunter needs to be given one of the brands and he needs to run it you know, how he wants to. Now, I think a lot of people are going to think it'd be like NXT. Maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't. I don't think there's any guarantee that it would be, that he would run um, either if he got raw respect. I, I mean, there are some elements I think he'd bring. I don't think it would be a total um, a total similarity. But I think you need to have different creative teams, like Justin said. They're absolutely. Um, remember, Initially in the brand split, 2002, when Paul Heyman had the book for SmackDown, it was quite good. And they took it away from him <laughs> because, you know, got, I mean, guys were getting injured, but um, th there were a lot of other reasons why that book was taken away from him. That was unfortunate. Um, but you have to have different creative teams. And, and to me, Hunter seems to have a slightly, and if he's that upset about it, again, prove it. Prove it. And, and as far as divvying up the rosters, look, I almost think Hunter should get raw. I'll tell you why. Uh, we we talked about something on this show months ago, and I can't believe I'm going to do this. this will be off I think I need to apologize to Dave Shearer. Okay, that's something I never thought I'd say. Because he wrote that article, remember we talked about it, like Vince hates his roster. And we were all kind of like, yeah, that's a little out of left field. I think it might be true. I think, I, I think a lot of these guys not getting over is a self-fulfilling prophecy from Vince McMahon. I think he looks at this roster. I don't think he's, I don't think he's impressed with this roster at all. Hmm. I, I think when the three of us sit here and say, Oh, this is like the most talented wrestler uh, roster WWE's ever had. I think Vince McMahon would say no way. 
Vince is back there, like, give me Hillbilly Jim. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I just think he looks at this roster and he just sees a, you know, a lot of guys. And you know, you always hear Vince doesn't get these guys. And so, if that's the case, those guys should not be on Vince against Brand. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. If there's guys that Vince is like, oh, I love this guy. I want this guy on my show. He should be on Vince's show. Yeah. Now, this actually flows in really nicely to the next topic because we're talking about stars and WWE not really having the transcendent stars. And we got into this a little bit earlier with the discussion about teenagers um, and not being interested in pro wrestling. But uh, John Cena did an interview recently. I'm going to read the quote from him and I'm going to throw it to both of you to see if you agree with him or not. So I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at this or not, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to read it for our, our listeners So talking about um, whether or not there was going to be someone on the roster that could be the next John Cena, Cena said, for the longest time, if you consider WWE a band, there's been one front person of the band. I think that dynamic, I think that dynamic is changing. It is because the audience is too diverse. I think older males are watching it. Younger kids are watching it. Females are watching it. The audience is so diverse. With a diverse audience, it's tough to universally please someone. And then he got into this idea about how in the 80s, families watched. Hulk Hogan was great for that period. In the 90s, there was more teenagers. And Austin and The Rock were great for that. Um, But now he's saying it's such a global product and it's a diverse audience. It's different. He said, quote, I don't think there's a universal figure that will lead the company forward. I think as the company grows and especially expands globally, you're going to have like a super friends of the WWE, which is like people who are essentially fighting for equal share of popularity. I think the band essentially will have 10 lead singers of every different race, creed, color, sex, and ethnicity. Do you guys agree that uh, the era of having a top star is over and it's because the audience is too diverse? What do you think, Justin? I don't think it's the audience. I think that's how wwe is running things now i don't know if they really even want a top star um i mean you can see it in the 50 50 booking they've they've kind of tried to do it with roman reigns but i mean you look a lot at a lot of the past superstars i mean you can make an argument hulk hogan was kind of manufactured by vince uh but then you have guys like like bret hart and Shawn michaels who you know, I attached myself to them early on and it was because they had a little bit, something special. They were a little bit different from everybody else. And they just kind of became stars organically. Steve Austin, he's somebody that I think anybody who watched wrestling could kind of see something special in him, Even when he was stunning, Steve, it took some time, but eventually his stardom just kind of, it popped out. I mean, cause it was there. Uh, same with the rock. Um, in John Cena, might have been the last one but all those people had a little bit of freedom to let their inner stars out in their own way and uh, i just don't think wwe allows for uh, that kind of thing to happen anymore what do you think kyle too diverse for a, a top star again i hated cena's rationale in that article it just read like wwe corporate speak it, it was like excuse me it was I actually agree with the premise, but I hated everything he said to back it up, the premise up, because it just seemed like excuses for there not being any stars. Like, Mm -hmm. because if what Cena was saying was true, there would be stars right now. There would, you know, there would be four or five stars. There's not. Mm -hmm. 
Who are who, who are the super friends of the WWE right now? <laughs> oh Seriously, man, Nate, I guess you got Mr. Canada, uh, Kevin yeah. Owens. Right? Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. Like, like you got I, uh, Kofi Kingston, you got AJ Styles from the Deep he, South. Yeah, he is correct in the sense that a diverse audience does make it difficult for like one person to be universally loved at the level of a Hogan in Austin, a rock, even himself. Although John Cena obviously was, you know, not universally loved. Um, And I, I think, I think the fact that he persevered through that and became, and was such a star and such a mover for them, that was a curse, I think on the current product because WWE looked at it. Oh, well, this is the same thing with Roman. Oh, he's mm-hmm. going to still be a big star. And I think they've done a shitty job of booking Roman, but I don't think Roman Reigns is going to is John Cena. I just don't. There's something that he lacks compared to John Cena that has hurt him in that category. So my biggest problem was the diversity argument. Do you guys really feel that the audience today is more diverse than it was in those other eras? Because what we talked about earlier with them skipping a generation, I think you make the argument it's less diverse. There's a whole generation of kids that just are not interested in pro wrestling. Now, with women watching, I I do think like Total Divas kind of opened the door for some women to watch the show. But if you if you watch in the Attitude Era, like hell, look at the DX segments, (laughs) you know, look at uh, WCW when they did the search for the Nitro Girls and the Nitro parties and stuff. I think women, Justin, you've talked about one of your early girlfriends, the whole family watching Nitro. Um, I think other periods in in wrestling history when wrestling was really hot you had both genders watching the show uh i i I don't think that it's any more diverse now than it was in the 80s look at uh watch the coliseum video on wrestlemania 3 and you can see a bunch of young guys tailgating in the pineac silver domes parking lot before the show but then you had a lot of old people in the crowd too it was only God, the diverse that. audience By the way, i love that fucking segment yeah <laughs> but but you know what i mean like the, i don't okay. i don't get this there were, Are, it was always a diverse audience okay this diversity here's i i don't like the, again i don't like the way he explained it at all because he i think he's kind of wrong and i think the way what, it's, it's explained is wrong because i think it's actually a pretty oh. homogenous audience right now where it's it's a what 30 to 40 year old men are kind of the core audience and they don't have the other generations like they used to okay the the diversity is like this there's basically two fan base it's not like i don't look in terms of diversity i don't look at it in terms of race gender whatever i look there is just one clear dividing line in the wwe audience today Hardcore wrestling fan, non-hardcore wrestling fan. And the the non-hardcore audience has shrunk drastically, like we've talked about in the past. Yeah. And the issue is, okay, you do, when you're hot, you have a large non-hardcore, you know, the hardcores are always going to be there. And the WWE has a problem right now. and, And we've seen it because, you know, with these live shows and, I do sometimes, sometimes feel for them in this regard in that they, they have this, eye. all right, well, we want to book in a way to reach this casual audience. And the problem is you have to deal with an audience that right now is 
way more than you know the there's never been a time in wrestling history where the hardcore audience was more than 50 percent of your viewing audience and it clearly is now i don't know what the numbers but it's way more so you're you kind of it's very hard to come up with someone who your hardcore audience is rejecting so to me i just think you can't do it like if you're hardcore, like you've got to just read the, you know, I hate this expression. You got to read the tea leaves. If your hardcore audience is going to reject somebody, you can't fucking go with them because it's just going to look bad. Yeah. Um. And Steve Austin, people forget Steve Austin. Okay. Was loved by the hardcore. It grew, you know, that grew, it was not like, Oh, you know, we're going to come up with this guy and he's really going to appeal to people that aren't watching wrestling. Steve Austin really appealed to people that were watching wrestling at the time. There was a massive growth from 1997 to 1998. Massive. You could argue, yeah, you liked the TV better in 97, but way, way, way more people were watching in 1998. Mm -hmm. And that's because Steve Austin was like this force. He was like really everyone's like, this guy is awesome. He was getting he was universally cheered. So that made it people were like, oh, this guy's like really awesome. And then they did the angle with Tyson that crossed him over. And you know, the the sky turned blue and the sun shined forever. So yeah. I, I do think like with this diversity thing, it's like, yeah, you know, from their perspective, well, you know, we want to book people for this casual audience too, with the hardcore shit on everything. Well, I don't know, man. That's what you got. And by the way, they've opened themselves up to that criticism. Say what you will. When you do stuff like Money in the Bank 2011, you're inviting that criticism on your program. You're basically acknowledging, you know, your um, detachment from a portion of your audience, right? Yeah. So you're, you're inviting that. So you don't com- you can't have it both ways. No, I agree. Hundred um, percent. We're gonna we're gonna shift gears here and go to a little bit of New Japan and All Elite, and then close off with Kyle's deep dive of the week. Any closing comments on uh, the WWE situation here, guys? No, but I do have a Dominion question for you guys. Okay, well, I have just one, and we can bring it up for next week. It'll be a tease for next week. Um, because I don't, I can't think of a paper, a pay per view in recent times that would be more apropos to talk about this than WWE Stomping Ground. Our monthly pay per view is an outdated concept. We should talk about that next week when discussing that show because boy, is that show the poster child for the answer? Yes. Yep. I think I think that would be a great discussion next week. We're gonna hit that hard. So if you're listening, tune in next week for that one. Uh, what's your Dominion question, Justin? Um, you guys are a little bit more plugged th- plugged in than I am. Uh, I've been hearing different things about the way Dave Meltzer uh, rated the Naito and Abushi match. Like I saw one place where he wanted to give it five stars but couldn't because of uh, how, I don't know, violent it was or something. And then somewhere else where he didn't want to rate it at all. Mm-hmm. Do, do you guys know anything about that? Yeah, he's... He explain? He he said you could rate this match. I should get the exact quote. I got it right here. He said, honestly, you could give this match anything from negative stars to four and three quarter. Which <laughs> I, which is possibly the largest star rating range I have ever heard in professional wrestling <laughs> history. Yeah. And then he got into the dangers and the apron spot and everything. So those guys are too talented to be doing that shit, man. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't actually have a rating at the end of the column like he does for all the other matches. Um, Will Ospreay at Dominion. Man, Will Ospreay having a hell of a year. Another five-star match where he uh, won the uh, junior title from Dragon Lee in 20 minutes. Uh, that's that's a must-watch. And then uh, Jericho. I, I saw a lot of criticism of his rating on this one. So uh, Okada beat Jericho. So no, we talked about this in the broadcast before. Jericho as an AEW talent will not have the IWGP heavyweight title, at least right now. But uh, he did he work himself into quit. another ring. He did work himself in another ring. Also. Tanahashi. Yeah, he's, yeah. he, he's going to have a match with Tanahashi, which is kind of a dream match. But uh, Meltzer gave that match four and a quarter. I saw a lot of criticism of Jericho's work in that match. He was kind of, he showed his age a little bit. He was a little slower. Um, I don't, I don't know if, yeah, it seemed, it seemed a little high, but, uh, yeah, I would say, I mean, I, I, I would, I would probably put it more around the, the three and a half star range personally, but, uh, I mean, I, he showed some, you know, he, there was some stuff in the, um, Omega match, double or nothing that wasn't very good. There were some botches in that, that were real ugly. Um, well, I, I think that's too high. Nobody thinks that's a four and a quarter. No, I, I, I was stunned when I saw Dave, that. Dave, come on, man. Like, even the people who, like, really, really like Okada matches, like, all of them, like, just, like, worship Okada. And I'm not an Okada worshiper. I think, you know, he can be very good. But I think, you know, like ever, anyone else, he's got a four. Like, any other top guy, he's developed a formula. And I think sometimes that formula can be overrated. Um, Those people, people. You know, I, I saw a lot of people I respect saying this was the worst Okada singles match they'd seen in a long time. Yeah, and Okada's off the charts. He always has great matches, but uh, this was definitely a step below him. <laughs> no doubt about it. So we will uh, we'll, we'll stay tuned to New Japan because the G1's on the horizon like I, I let off the broadcast talking yeah. about. We did get some news at Dominion on the G1. So um, the former Hideo Itami kenta yeah debuted with new japan and uh, he'll be entering the g1 we also found out that moxley is going to be in the g1 um so that's on the horizon and it was just announced he's going to be working omega at double or, or at, uh, all out yeah so two matches announced for all out we've got uh the page jericho match the crown the promotions first world champion and then yeah omega and moxley which they they set up at double or nothing so you know i, I disagree with Meltzer brushing off a fan question on Twitter about, you know, are they, is AEW booking themselves into a corner here with Moxley Omega? Mm-hmm. Somebody's got, somebody's got to lose, right? That this is the promotion of clean finishes, right? Yeah. So one of them has got to lose. And I guess, you could make the other, well, it's before TV, but you know, Kenny Omega, you know, going back to Dave, Dave's like, Oh, Omega should like never lose. If he's going to be the big star of this promotion, are you going to have him go over two? Yes. Okay. Well, is that smart? Yes. <laughs> it is. Yes. Why? Cause you, cause you build him back up then he's not a known commodity to, a large uh, portion of the audience. Uh, John Moxley is Jericho is. Um, so you have those stars and you, what you have Omega lose two matches and all of a sudden you can't come back from that. Come on. Uh, I would, I would actually argue that's why Omega would need to win because I feel like 
if they're trying to draw in some of that general audience, they already buy Moxley as a star. But if Omega loses yet again, I I don't know. I think it. I do think Here's it's the, a risk to have him the, lose yet again. Yeah, I, I don't think it's. A, I mean, I think it's not like oh, if he goes zero two, you're right to Justice's point. It's not like he's done. Like oh no, my god, no, you know, no. Kenny Omega. I mean, is he's been buried. He's done. His career's over. I don't think. I think there's some optics though. You know, and and I'd like to hear the from the anti WWE crowd explain that one away the optics of having him lose to two former wwe guys Mm -hmm. is that is that what these people want are they cool with that if so whatever i mean if it works it works um and i think there is an argument well the weekly tv is not on so you could just always have omega get his win back in front of a potentially larger audience against those two Mm -hmm. yeah that's true it'll be interesting to see how they book that and there's ways to do it where moxley would still look strong um but uh I, yeah, I mean, you do have two guys who are going to be getting cheered quite loudly, both of them, uh, heading into that match. So um, we shall see. But the tickets for All Out go on sale as we record this Thursday night, Friday morning. So uh, as you're listening to this, you uh, may have already got tickets. If so, congratulations. If not, it's it's definitely going to be a hard ticket. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But we're expecting a very, very quick sellout for that show at the Sears John- Center. John Cena knows something about a hard ticket, right? Hey, <laughs> we're not talking about that interview, <laughs> not on this broadcast. Uh, all right, Kyle, let's get to your, uh, oh. your deep dive of the week. Oh, you're not going to trash your girl Dana Warrior? Well, we're we're already running long. Okay, <laughs> I I thought we'd cut that out. It's not a huge story. We tweeted about it. Check oh. our Twitter page at Top Rope Nation. But it, uh, it was a big story. Been- on, it was a big story on Twitter, and it was. <sighs> Dana Warrior in the Ultimate Warrior face paint for Pride Month. The optics of that are terrible. Everybody knows the Ultimate Warrior had a terrible, terrible track record as it relates to human rights and the gay community. So, I mean, for her to stand up for the community is great. And, you know, maybe she does believe that. But to put on the Warrior face paint and do it, that's pretty tone deaf. Leave the face paint off. My God, Dana. (laughs) Those quotes were real bad. Weren't they, they? There are some good go, replies. I'm not going to repeat it. I mean, oh, boy. There are some um, very good replies to her tweet. But, uh, yeah, let's get to this deep dive. Kyle Ross, it's time for the I Love This Sport deep dive of the week. Take it away. Okay. You know what I was thinking about the other day? Uh, a lot of things. Yes. Some of which I probably cannot repeat aloud. Okay. In some regards. Now, some people are going to jump on what as soon as they they hear this. What? What are you, an idiot? In some regards, I was thinking, do you know what modern WWE reminds me of? 1993 WCW. What? How can that be? 1993 WCW lost so much money. What are you, an idiot? Hold on here. I'm talking about creatively. Obviously, we know, you know, when people make compare, you know, people always lose their mind when like Meltzer and Alvarez make the WCW comparisons with modern WWE because modern WWE has all these built-in guaranteed revenue streams. We get that. Let's look on the creative side, okay? Nobody at the time, and certainly in the years that most of the years that followed, and probably even today, would argue that 1993 WCW was a good year, okay? But you know where it's kind of where it does kind of remind me of WWE? It's that in that you had a pretty talented roster. Listen to these names Vader on top, Ric Flair returns, Sting, Davy Boy Smith comes in. Cactus Jack breaks out as a single star. Hollywood Blondes. I mean, my God. I mean, Rick Rude. Dustin Rhodes. Mm-hmm. You know, the last uh, gasp of Barry Windham, who we'll get to in a moment. 
Too Cold Scorpio could have been could have been something. We'll get to him in a moment. But like, my point is, you had a lot of great individual performances in 1993. You, a lot of talented people. The booking stunk. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> so, I, you know when. The way wrestling is now with, with every so much footage available, you can just go back and you can watch things in a vacuum. Like with 93 WCW, there's stuff you can go back. Cause I was watching an Arn Anderson, uh, Steve Regal match, uh, Lord Steven Regal match not too long ago. And I was like, Oh, this is pretty good. Like two got two all pros, but it doesn't change the fact that 93 WCW is not a successful promotion. And you know, the WWE, there's a lot of great individual performances, a lot of, Talented people. The booking stinks. <laughs> so I wanted to think of a match from 93 WCW to share this week. And Justin, a few weeks ago, maybe, maybe even been a month ago, was asking about a good Barry Windham match to watch. And I think I referenced this in our text thread, and it's going to be our match of the week this week. Uh, him and Two Cold Scorpio, Clash 23, can be found on the award-winning WWE Network. This is in many ways um, reminiscent of a modern WWE match in that you have the up-and-comer, Scorpio, against the veteran, Wyndham. Spoiler alert, the up-and-comer loses. But the only comparison I can make to this would be like Shawn Michaels, Shelton Benjamin from Raw, that match, in the sense that um, that the up-and-comer looked really good in defeat. So, you know, that's another thing, too. We always and and again, here's the comparison to modern WWE. He he went nowhere. Scorpio went nowhere after this match. Absolutely. He, he had a tag team with Marcus Bagwell where Marcus Bagwell danced very bad. But that's about it. Um, so that's my deep dive of the week. Barry Windham, two cold Scorpio, Clash 23. Great fucking match. Um, one of Barry's last great matches. I like before, it. Before he tore his knee. And uh, was never the same again. Nice. Well, I'll be checking it out probably tonight as I edit this uh, program. And after the NBA finals are yeah. over. Looks like uh, we got a close game here. I'm yeah, checking the fourth quarter. But uh, always like those deep dives from Kyle. It gives you something to check out on the WWE Network. You can tweet us your reactions to the match at Top Rope Nation. Or send us an email, topropenation at gmail.com. Always love hearing from you guys. So uh, with that said, I think it's going to be a pretty tight episode. I think we're going to take things home and uh, prepare for previewing stomping grounds next week, which should be a hell of a broadcast. (laughs) (laughs) But no, seriously, we are. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to continue this discussion on what is wrong with WWE and and try to solve that uh, because you know what? Somebody has to do it. So we'll take aim at it here on Top Rope Nation. Guys, always a pleasure. Justin, have a good evening, my friend. You too. Go Canada. Yes. Kyle, thanks for the deep dive as always. Appreciate that. Check these guys out at TRP Kyle and at Justin Joint. I am at Historical Ryan. And uh, I'm sending Kyle, you any parting words. I'm sending the podcast page a great tweet right now. Nice. All right. Check us out there at, at Top Rope Nation on Twitter. We're also on Instagram um, at Top Rope Nation there and also Facebook as well. Just search Top Rope Nation in the search bar and uh, like i said at the beginning hit up patreon before june 30th join our five dollar tier try it out for a month you get a free t-shirt out of the deal we'd love to have your support 
And we'd love to read your name on the air like I am about to do. So thanks goes out to our producers of the show, Derek Chappelle, Kyle Ryan, Tim Jensen, Forrest Pierce, Sean Skelton, and the latest one, Gabe C. Very much appreciate your support. We will be back next week with uh, Top Rope Nation episode 103. And then after that, the following weekend with a Patreon exclusive edition of Top Rope Nation Extra where we review WWE Stomping Grounds, and we'll probably follow that up with another edition of Top Rope Nation Classics. So, with that said, I'm Ryan Drosty for Justin Joint and Kyle Ross. Enjoy your weekend, and enjoy professional wrestling wherever you are. Peace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.